Hello and welcome to the 15 Minutes of Football Transfer News Central podcast. Merry Christmas, everybody, whether you're in Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 3, Tier 4, or simply on the other side of the world. I'm Johnny Bentley, your host, and I'm joined by James. Hi, everyone. Yes. Well, today, I mean, it's perfect time, I think. Usually this happens around every festive period, although we're usually a bit further on in the season during the, fe- during the festive period. But I think it's a perfect time to look through team of the season so far as we've seen i've seen a lot of team of the 2020s so i thought it'd be a bit different and focus on the season so far who's been in mind and james's best 11 what we've which kind of players have stood out that kind of thing then we're gonna have a revisiting of a popular topic from podcast gone by a comparison between arteta solskjaer and lampard which will take up one of our 15 minute chunks and the final 15 minute chunk will be taken up by a look around Europe. Of course, there's very limited football being played at the moment. We in England are quite unique in that respect. We play almost traditionally football over Christmas, and that upsets quite a lot of footballers who come to play here from overseas. But that is just the way we are in that respect. I quite like it as a fan. I'm sure many other people do too. But yeah, first of all, two 15-minute topics round into one because it's a hefty big one. Team of the season so far. You know, we're doing this on podcasts, so... You can't see what my team looks like, so I'll guide you through, or James, will guide you through from start to the end verbally. That's what podcasts do. Okay, goalkeepers, I mean, it, you know, we'll probably have a quick run through of the team, or both of our teams at the end, but goalkeeper's a really interesting one because, to me, I don't think there's been a standout, an obvious standout. Usually, I always think there's usually one from the top six and one from outside the top six that, that you usually stand out for. And depending on what you want, when you choose this selection, you all, you think of the guy who makes the most saves and has eight out of ten so a lot of, on a lot of game weeks, or the one that saves and bit, makes a big save in the every, almost every game but isn't overly worked. That'd be your top six, and then traditionally, and the other one would be a team that's lower down. But I think with Allison, he's been injured a little bit in, in uh, this season, and, and when he has played. Of course, he's still, for me, the best goalkeeper in the league, arguably in the world, but certainly the Premier League, most best all-round goalkeeper. But I don't think he's been quite at his dominant best. Of course, Liverpool are far better when he's in the team. But compared to last season when he was superb and the season before when he was superb as well. Yeah, uh, well, last season as well, he had his injuries, Alisson. So I always find it difficult. We've only, like you say, James, we've not done half a season yet. So you're looking at players who haven't really been injured too much. And he's had a few injuries. I don't know. In other words, maybe I'm expecting too much from Alisson and maybe I'm excited more by the by the other people who are performing other than him. I get that. Yeah, I mean, I agree that Alisson is, when he's fit and playing regularly, he is the best goalkeeper in the league. I don't think that's really in dispute. So, if you're picking on that basis, you would pick him. Um, but, like you say, it's difficult to to pick one standout goalkeeper in the league, there have been a few who have been great. And obviously the ones with the, the teams with the best defences obviously sometimes stand out as well. Um, but, yeah, it's difficult to pick one. You know, you know, the, <laughs> it's very difficult to, to pick one. There's a few that have been, I think, have been overall have been pretty good. Well, please tell me. I think the, the name that first sprang to mind when you talked about team of the season actually was the Villa keeper. Yeah, um, Martinez. Martinez, I think he's had a good season. He's been brilliant. I would uh, have com- completely he's in my on my FPL list. Team actually, as well. <laughs> oh, she um, was in mine. <laughs> oh, she was. I just keep watching. Uh, I have had Leno for context. Start of the season, I thought, hmm, yeah, that could be a, a shrewd one, and I was right. Well, I'm an uh, idiot because I've had Leno for ages, and I and I was telling you before we went on podcast that that penalty save he made from Jorginho this weekend was music to my ears because it's the first return he's had in a very, very, very long time. You're abs- I've, it's a really good call, the Villa goalkeeper, actually, when you when you think about that. I mean, I half thought you were going to say Mendy, really, James, but I do think that he has made a few mistakes of late and, you, and he did arrive a bit later than... Uh, yeah, you know, that's that. I, I, Mendy, Mendy, I think Mendy, overall, Mendy has done really well. Mm. You know, he, like, you know, like you say, he came in late and Chelsea have lost a couple of games recently and he's made one or two mistakes, but it's not yeah. it's not the same as Kepper. No. <laughs> he's good he's a he's a good keeper and he's yeah. doing a good job generally. But 
if he'd shown that form, he'd started the start of the season. Yeah. Uh, and then he continued that form, and then maybe he would be he would be a contender for that too. I mean, he would he he's been very good. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah. Okay. A couple of bad games, but every keepers have bad games occasionally. Mm. Mm. Um. But yeah, the Villa goalkeeper Martinez. Yeah, Martinez. I've been I really mean, I would. He's in my game. My team is in your team. Is in. I would imagine quite a few teams uh, because he's been excellent. Uh, just a few shout-outs to Burnley goalkeeper Nick Pope. Bad starts the season. Excellent ever since. Carl Darlow, deputy for Newcastle. Newcastle have been pretty awful actually at points this season, but he's been consistently excellent, making a lot of saves. Yep. Yeah. Then I thought Mendy a little bit, but not a bit below those. I think obviously Allison, but again. Missed a few games with injury, can't really be helped. Um, and one or two mistakes that I can sort of that I have in my head. Not not obvious howlers, but one or two moments where you think, oh, maybe he could have done a little bit better with that. But hey, you know that's the high standards we we hold to Alison. So yeah, I would go for Marty. Also a shout for Larice as well, who I think's come back strong yeah, this year. Larice, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> in the league so yeah yeah I'll go with I think Martinez though is, is the shout there okay I'll go back four now then and, and I'll start with mine Martinez in, in the goal back four of for me Rhys James uh, Ruben Diaz Fabinho and Robertson <laughs> which is which is which is who I've gone with um, that's, that's pretty much the team I've the uh, the back four I've gone with as well okay that's that's very interesting so no. for me anyway I I was, it was a toss-up, really, Fabinho or Thiago Silva. And the reason why I went for Fabinho is because he's not he's not a natural centre-back. He's quite versatile, but he's not a natural centre-back. And he's managed to come into a Liverpool team that still plays with quite a high line when they go into matches. And he's slotted in seamlessly because, even though he's not as quick, maybe, as Virgil van Dijk or Joe Gomez, he holds a really good position. He reads the game really well. He plays the ball out really well. He leads from the back. He's an imperious presence in the air. Very good, very strong in the tackle. And he's just transferred all of his brilliance from central defensive midfield. And he's gone back 10 yards. He's put it into put it into centre-back. I agree. I agree. He's been fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I, the one, probably the one difference, actually, is I, I, I can't get past Thiago Silva purely because of the, the improvement that he has made to the Chelsea back line. I mean, yes. difference. One of the Chelsea's defence this season... He's one of the best in the league. It is. And his defence last season was one of the worst in the league. Yes. Um, and he's a big part of that. He's amazing. Uh, he's been amazing. He's uh, come in and he's settled in straight away. No problem. He organises the team. He's, he's um, like... Wait, so do you have him in, People like Ben Chilwell and Reese James are saying that he's always shouting at the back. He's telling players where to go. He's organising the defence. He's really helped Kurt Zuma as well. He's had a good yeah. season. Yeah. Uh, and he's been a really important part of Chelsea's defensive improvement and them becoming a bit more resilient as well uh, as a team. So, yeah, obviously didn't play that well against Arsenal, but Chelsea didn't play well against Arsenal. Um, no. But um, I think just for that, and just he's, he's just, he's just, and he's so good on the ball. Like his mm. distribution is excellent. Yeah. Uh, he's a calming influence at the back. Yes. Um, he's so I, 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 and yeah, it's really tough because I want to include all, I want to include Fabinho and DS as well because they've both been superb. Like Fabinho, for all the reasons that you yes. were saying, he's he's really transitioned into that position excellently. Yes. And that, yes. they've not they've not missed Van Dijk as you would you would have expected them to. No. So, yeah, I'm just gonna go with Silva over Fabinho. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, so uh, that, yeah. that's my explanation for that. <laughs> I, I, I can't really. Thought, I mean, I'm a, I've told you many times I love Thiago Silva and uh, and how he's transitioned at the age that he has for everything you said. I agree. I look at it, it's more of a case of looking where Chelsea are in the league and where Liverpool are. And you look at where Liverpool are with all their injuries at the top. I know they, I know they slipped up this weekend, but still, you, you, we, we've said so many times elite mentality. Elite club. I know they made a bit of a, a slip up against West Brom, but it seems to be it seems to be a week of slip ups actually for a lot of teams at the, at the moment in, in the uh, in, who who are supposedly challenging for the title. And that's I think that's why I'm just just 
edging for Fabinho because, because yeah, they, they, they are at this moment in time sat top of the league. He's not playing in his natural position. Liverpool have injuries to high heaven, and especially at the back, and he's sort of sticking it all together like super glue. But you're right. Everything you said about Thiago Silva was also accurate. And then you say, oh, well, why would you not play Thiago Silva over Diaz? And the reason for that is because I think Diaz does exactly everything, maybe aside from the really strong leadership that Thiago Silva has with an experience. Diaz does, has had the impact on City's defence that Thiago Silva's had on Chelsea's, I think. In terms of he's come in now, that was a, a, a very un even centre back. You couldn't get there was never a, a correct partnership. And he's currently had he's currently got all the John Stones that's looking good. Had one with Laporte to begin with that was looking promising as well. And you know, Laporte's gone out. Diaz has remained the constant. Every time I've watched him, I think confident on the ball, plays with a swagger, defends really well, can easily play in that high line. He looks like the centre back Guardiola's been chasing for years. And he's got him. The only surprise is that he's now currently partnering John Stones instead of Laporte, who's now on the bench um, after, you know, falling out a little bit of favour at the moment with Guardiola. I imagine the long-term partnership will be Laporte and Diaz. But for me, yeah, Diaz has had the effect slightly different to Thiago Silva at Chelsea. Thiago Silva's come in and, and as you say, he's galvanised that defence, he's led that defence. He's shouting, barking orders at Reese James and Ben Chilwell, keeping them in check. Diaz doesn't do that as such, but he just looks like the stable head that City need at centre-back, that, that can defend, that can play out, that can be a threat in the opposition box. I think he's the, a fantastic signing that's you know, pushed the, pushed the, defense, uh, the City defence to the next level. And also, other than Tottenham, other than Tottenham in the, in the league, no team scored more than once against Man City. They kept a lot of clean sheets in that time um, as well. It, it, it's been quite quiet. It's gone almost under the radar. Oh, and uh, and sorry, no team other than Tottenham and Leicester. Sorry, I forgot about the uh, the, yeah, the whitewash. I about five one or five two. Five two, yeah. That was a freak uh, result, wasn't it? That was quite freak. Yeah. Oh, five three. I, I forget. I can't. Five remember. two. I just said it's a freak result, wasn't it? It was just one of oh, those freak. freak... Oh, yes, it was a freak result. Yeah. yeah. At the time, everyone was worried about it, but. Um... It was, you can't, you know, Man City are a class team with class players, you know. They've yeah. won two titles in the last three seasons. So yeah. uh, you can't, uh, they don't suddenly become a bad side. No, absolutely. And just a, just a quick word, actually, on uh, the fullbacks. I think Reese James, as the season's gone on, has kind of picked himself for the reason that yes, he's ousted. He has. Yeah, he's really come of age. And I'm going to take a bit of credit here as well, because I 18 months ago, I... I called. I, I called it. Called this. I said mm. on this. I think I said on this podcast how good he was. And uh, yeah, he's fan- He's been fantastic. He's he's improved on last season. His attitude is excellent. He's always wanted to improve. He's got a good work ethic. He's very very strong, and his crossing is superb when he gets yeah. in four positions. He's yeah. one of the best. One of the best crosses in in the league. I think actually mm. from that position. Uh, and he's just going to get better because he's only twenty. Mm. You know, yeah, he's injured at the moment. Uh, he's had a bit of a problem with his with his knee or something. Uh, that's why he's not played well in the last couple of games he's played. Yeah. But yes. generally, he has been superb, and he's and you know to push out Aspilicueta from the team. That's uh, one of the main things. Played every Premier League game for about I lost count how many how many consecutive Premier League games he played. A lot. And uh, like, but pretty much for the last two seasons, he's played mm. most of the games at right back, and to push him out of the side in the way that he has is a big achievement. And also, I know you're a big fan of Chilwell, but I think Robertson has. Yeah, oh know, yeah, Robertson. Yeah, been brilliant, hasn't he? Robertson overall, yeah, has been more consistent. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, he stepped up. Alexander Arnold's not been quite at it as much this season. Robertson taking. Predominant a lot of the set pieces he seems to have taken over more of those than Alexander Arnold does, and his deliveries, but also his defensive capabilities. They they often go understated a little bit. Everyone comments on how good Robertson's deliveries are, but defensively he's he's outstanding as well, isn't he? It's like Gary Neville said, Trent Alexander Arnold, if he wants to improve his game, should look at the opposite fullback. Yes, fantastic. That's right. Yeah, and Kewell will be a great. Premier League left back. I mean, he started the season really well. 
Mm. Um, the last month or so, he's dropped off a bit. Like, but that's again, Chelsea have not been in the best form in the last no. few weeks, so that's understandable. Yes. Okay. Um, and he had a, a bit of a knock as well, um, uh, which against I think it was against West Ham. Yeah, and he didn't quite look back fully fit against Arsenal mm-hmm. either. So, but yeah, when when he's playing well, he's he's and he matures because he's only twenty three. Mm. Robertson's a bit older than that. Uh, mm. When he gets when he gets into his prime, he's going to be one of the best left backs in the league. But definitely this season, Robertson has been amazing, consistent. I mean, he's the yeah. best left back around in right the now. league. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I would agree. Okay, so into midfield then. This is this is interesting. You sort of talked to one of your potential options in in the sort of more defensive minded role, but I'll go with one. Again, this one was. Recent results have staggered a little bit, but there was a real momentum building at Tottenham. And I think part of that was down to the two forward players. In fact, a lot of that was down to those two. But also the arrival of Pierre-Emile Hoiberg, who I think was, you know, such a brilliant signing, actually. It seems to transpire that Walker-Peters went the other way. Hoiberg went to Tottenham and and Walker-Peters went went to Southampton. Both have been happy with the transaction. A few million either side. Um, mm. I think uh, we top them paid a few extra million as well as Walker Peters. Uh, both teams really happy, and Hoyberg has been outstanding. I mean, he's he's allowed. You know, I know the the past three results they haven't won. Uh, disappointing draw uh, recently to Wolves, but mm-hmm. he has been brilliant. Hoyberg. I mean, he, he's he's instrumental to the what Jose Mourinho wants a, a, a dogged. Bulldog in the middle of just just in front of the back four, and you know he's been he's been he's been excellent just sweeping up the danger, not doing anything fancy, laying the ball off or playing the ball forward. Sorry, um, in a safe, secure manner. And I was reading a stat, and I can't remember the stat. It was like a month ago. Uh, just as Spurs were on the back of all those, I think they were unbeaten in three big games against Arsenal, City, and, and Chelsea. And Hoiberg had been the 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 catalyst for a lot of Tottenham's goals by breaking the play up, right. playing the ball uh, forward. And then through that, the ball got to Kane or Son usually, and then they'd find the net in some way. And he's done a lot of the ugly stuff really well. And if he wasn't in Tottenham's team, then Tottenham wouldn't be where they are now, regardless of the wonders of the other two up front. Yeah, absolutely. Hoiberg's in my team as well. One of the signings of the season, I think. Mm. Yeah. Um, very shrewd signing by Mourinho. He really does give that balance in midfield. He like he's like everything he said I agree with. Yeah. Really. Um he's given him a lot more solidity uh as well. And like you say, starts yeah. attacks and yeah. he's perfect for Mourinho's system. So yeah, absolutely. He's been consistent, he's been really good, uh, really shrewd signing. Mourinho normally Spends big money on players, but he didn't spend as much money on him. It was kind of a under the radar kind of signing, uh, and but it's been very, very shrewd, sure. and uh, definitely been a big part of Tottenham's success yeah. year. So. Well, in my team, and I know we're sort of saying this before, but you're playing Bruno Fernandez slightly further back. Uh, Bruno Fernandez probably in, in both of our teams, whereas I've gone for Ward Prowse in the sort of double pivot role. Because for me, Ward Browse actually used to partner Heiberg as well. So just tells you, if them two were together, I mean, Romeo's grown this season. He really has grown into his role as the main battering ram in the, in, in the Southampton after a sluggish start. But, but Ward Browse, architect of almost everything Southampton do in the middle, his passing uh, up the field is amazing. He just keeps everything ticking forward. The best thing about Ward Browse, arguably, um, is his set pieces as well, which he's arguably as good as almost anyone in the league at. And, you know, he, the, the things he does for, for Southampton in the midfield, basically, as I say, running the technical side of things, providing a threat on dead balls, whether it's shooting, whether it's putting a ball in. He's been fantastic and he's grown under Ralph Hasenhutl and he's Southampton's most important player, I think. Yeah, I agree. He's, been, he's definitely been one of, the, one, of, one of their better players. He's, I've always rated Will Prowse. always thought he was a big... Mm. Alan um, yes. could become a really good player. Yes. Uh, and he's starting to realise that potential this year, you know. Mm. Southampton have done really, really well. 
Yes. Um, it says a lot that the two, I mean, if you count Hoiberg as a former Southampton player, but two players from Southampton essentially have, are in the team of this season. One of them is now at Spurs, but yes. Yeah, this tells you what a good job Hassan Tuchel has done and how he's and how he develops players. You know, he's yeah. a really good coach, good manager. Yeah, it's difficult to to leave Ward Prowse out of the team yeah. this season. It is. It's, it's difficult to leave a few out. Actually, you've got with Bruno Fernandez in that position, probably for similar reasons well, why I've got him further forward. Be slightly different to yours. Like it's. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm I'm just trying to to be honest. I'm just trying to fit in players who I think deserve to be in yeah. the team in attacking positions. Yeah. To be honest. <laughs> And the yeah. thing is, Bruno Fernandes can actually play the deeper role anyway. He can, yeah. He's, uh, he can play the deep line play playmaker role. He can spray the ball out from deep and create from deep. And he can and he can also make those forward runs. He's almost can be like almost like a box-to-box thing as well. Like he can make those runs and score goals. So yeah. he's really, I mean, he's a he's in the, a top class player. And yeah. he's really just coming to the Premier League and just taking it by storm. Like he's changed, he's transformed Manchester United. There's no question about it. Yes. If they had not signed him, they would probably not. Well, probably Pochettino would probably be already man of Man United. Probably, they wouldn't have had the run they did in the last season. Yes. And uh, certainly they wouldn't, and they wouldn't be where they are now. Uh, and that's the problem, actually, is that Man United are probably too dependent on him right now. Mm. <laughs> um, because if he's not in the team, they don't play as well. They don't like. They don't have the same cohesion and also could you argue well, I mean only briefly I don't want to, to knock you too far off because uh, we've got a few players there but could you argue that with Chelsea and maybe Thiago Silva mm, Chelsea's defence well I think Chelsea's defence has been more organised this year anyway I mean like Rudiger's come in in the Champions League mm. to play with Zuma mm. and the defence has still been pretty decent especially now Kante is playing as a defensive midfield player yeah. um, in front of them and he's another one like he's really unlucky not to get in the yeah. team this season because yeah. he's been excellent for Chelsea mm. this season. Yeah. Um playing the number six, playing in front of the defence. Yeah. You know, he's been absolutely fantastic and really consistent. Yeah. And so special shout out for him. Even though he's not in doesn't get in the team, he's a very he's another one that got very close. Yeah. Um, Oh, there's a few for me. I mean, my near misses, the the two that scream at me really. Jack Grealish is probably one. Although what I will say for Villa is that they've got so... I know Grealish is the the main catalyst in attacking positions, but you've got McGinn, got Trezeguet, you've got Traore. Barkley was doing fantastically until he got his injury. Watkins up front, um, quite um, a wonderful striker as well. They've got options all in attacking areas, I think. So it... Well, it's very hard. That that's a bad excuse, but I would say that it's not wholly based around Grealish, even though he is the best player at Aston Villa in the attacking areas. And also with Jamie Vardy as well, that's a really hard one because he's scored a lot of goals this season. Leicester's doing really well, and the reason I've sort of left him out. It's very difficult actually because you look at. I always think Leicester are quite inconsistent, and that's because they draw one game this season. It means they've lost a lot of games. It also means they've won a lot of games. They're third in the league. It's the same with Everton. Everton's lost quite a few games. They've won a lot, not drawn too many, and they're second. So that's um, that's why it's difficult for Everton. Calvert Lewin started on fire, hasn't scored for a while, and with Everton, I feel like it's they were they were so gung ho at the start. They were blitzing teams, smashing three, four goals in against some opponents, and they looked really exciting. And now it's completely changed. They've got a lot of injuries to attacking players, and it's grinding out one 0 wins, grinding out one 0 wins, and then we have the dilemma. So, who's the key man at Everton? Well, it was Calvert-Lewin. It's not now. It's finding ways to grind out results when Calvert-Lewin's not scoring and James Rodriguez isn't, the, isn't in the team and all of this. And it's more of a defensive effort, a concerted defensive effort. These are some, qual- these are some issues that I've had uh, with mm. those. I'll just round off my three, actually, while I'm there. And I've gone with Salah, Kane and Son. And I think... With Tottenham especially, I know a lot of it's been a team effort, but it has been heavily reliant on them three players, which is why they're in the team. Because Tottenham's defence, I don't think, is amazing, particularly the centre-backs. Lloris is a keeper that likes to stay on his line too. Sissoko plays a lot. He's very hard worker, but he doesn't scream first 11 into top six, necessarily. And I think with Tottenham, there's a lot of 
okay players, but not amazing players. And a lot of the success has been built on some a few individuals. Hoiberg being one, and the two obvious ones being Son and Kane, because Son and Kane have scored the bulk of the goals for Tottenham. I mean, there was a period, wasn't there, where Son was scoring, Kane would get the assist. Kane was scoring, Son would get the assist. They were they were the perfect duo. So they have to be in there for me, both of those. And with Salah, he's just been the, the best of Liverpool's attacking players. His goal goal numbers are excellent once again. He stepped up on um, you know, on, on some some of the big occasions to get crucial winning goals. Got uh, a goal at the Etihad, which is obviously a big game against Man City. Yes, it was a penalty, but he still has to score. Uh, he scored a deflected goal against Tottenham, but he did play very well in that big game. And he obviously scored a hat trick against Leeds on the opening day when they weren't at the best. So, yeah, that they're three players for me. The front three: Kane, Salasson. Just big yeah, game. Well, I think I'm gonna. I think I think I agree with that. Hmm. I've, I've been trying to find a place for Marley, but actually, in terms of in terms of the tactical balance of the team. Hmm. Uh, I think you're right that we need to get we need to have that pivot of um, Hoiberg and, and uh, Ward-Prowse. What about Grealish? Yeah. And then and then you know um, a three of a three of, of Son and Fernandez and Salah yeah. um, just behind Kane, and that is the most balanced kind of midfield and attack. What, what, what I would say well, then, I, I, I would. I'd like to get all four of them in. I'd like to get Mane, Son, Salah, and Kane all in the team. Yeah. But yeah. tactically and kind of in terms of balance, that's not going to work. Um, like what about say, Jack? Difficult to leave players out. But you're right. The best front three on balance are Son, Kane, and Salah. So totally. Um, what What about Grealish, James? Grealish is an eight. Yeah, that's another one. You know, because like, I I really wanted to get him in. Um, I mean, I could move, move, I could move Fernandez back to, to the pivot and put Grealish in at number ten. But uh, yeah, it's really difficult to pick. Yeah, because Grealish has been excellent this year. He really yeah. has. Yeah, and he's, there's been uh, he's, he's raised he's raised the upper level from last year for sure. Mm. I mean, there's been so many because uh, it's been such an unpredictable division. It's really hard. And what I would say again is, no Everton plays is really hard because you want to pick Calvert Lewin, but then you look. You know, I know his performances have still been good, but you look at the past five or six games and he hasn't scored. I think the last time he scored was against Burnley, uh, which was towards the start of December. So he's on a bit of a drought himself. Started the season like a house on fire and he's still performed exceptionally well. But, you know, has he been better than Salah over the course of the season? No. Fernandez, no. Son, no. And Everton have been finding a way to win without him scoring. You know, they've been grinding out results of like one nils two ones, scruffy goals, defensive dogged performances. It's really hard because Calvert-Lewin was a shoo-in about five, six games ago. You know, he was just on yeah, his exactly. every week. It's, 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 yeah, I, I agree. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it, it's really hard on him because he's been excellent, you know, again. Another one. Also, also Vardy. Like right. I say, Vardy as well, Jamie Vardy just yeah, Vardy. Um, I know. I mean, like, again, going under the radar a bit, having a great season. You know, he really is. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> Leicester kind of low key having a great season as well. Yeah, uh, I, I don't really see people talking about about no. that. <laughs> about your manager of the season, Jamie. Season again. I think like Brendan Rodgers never doesn't doesn't get the credit he deserves no. as a manager. I still think he's a really good manager. Uh, he's good tactically. He's improved as a manager since he was at Liverpool. Mm. He's got more experience. He's he's also won things. Yes, and I know yes. it's in Scotland with Celtic, but nevertheless, winning trophies helps. Yes, uh, and got more experience in the in Champions League in, in Europe. Mm. Yeah, he's. I think he's doing a good job with with Leicester. Who's your manager of the season, James, just so far? I mean, I can't look beyond Klopp, really, for how he's managed the um, injury crisis. Yeah, I think you're right. Klopp, yeah, because of, and it's because of the, it's because of the injury crisis, really. Because he's lost. I mean, he's lost the best defence centre-back in the world. I've lost count of the players that they've had injured, to be honest, mm. uh, and who, who they are, because there's so many. I mean, mm. I think we haven't, even seen, we haven't even seen the Thiago play much yet. Because no. he's been injured and he's world class. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just wait till he comes into that team. You know? Yeah. 
Um, and even Jota's got injured, and you know, you've I, I, there's so many of their players have got injured. It's mm. just, uh, and yet they are top of the league. So, yeah. uh, yes, that's a that's, that's absolutely agree. I mean, again, Brendan Rodgers definitely has a shout. Yeah, has a shout. Yeah, um, Dean Smith. Sorry, Dean Smith. Dean Smith. Yeah, all those all those guys have a really good shout. Yeah, as man of the season so far. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Klopp, get get them for top of the league with all the injuries that he's had. Yes. Uh, yeah, fair play oh, for that. No, fantastic. I mean, it, it, it doesn't really... Well, yeah, I mean, three, three people who'd love to be in Klopp's position, I suppose, which we can go go to now is that discussion. Arteta, Solskjaer and Lampard. And last time we did this topic, I had a plethora of notes, actually. I had so many notes everywhere. Stat here, stat there. I don't have as many notes now, to be honest with you. I... Uh, this is more emotive. You know why, James? Because it's Christmas, and I haven't. Uh, haven't <laughs> I was too. I was too merry to do the uh, to do my note taking. So um, this is more emotive for me in terms of um, my gut feelings now, uh, in, in terms of what I've seen and what I was. What I always say, I write a few prediction pieces for, for different websites, and when I always talk about Arsenal, I always comment. I must sound like a broken record. Anyone who actually reads them week by week like copy and paste but it's so true three four months ago Arteta was the next coming everyone thought he was going to be the next elite manager he had all the characteristics he had confidence a bit of an arrogance almost in a good way had a swagger he got people to you know he got Arsenal two trophies in less than a year in charge community shield and the FA Cup and everything was going so well and I cannot think at the time of a downward spiral that has gone from hero to zero so quickly it seems quite crazy but obviously they won on boxing day and by the time this goes out they might have won two i actually think they might beat brighton who struck who haven't won a game at home all season so maybe things are looking up a little bit but my god james it's it's my goodness it's taken it's quite crazy that the fall in such a short space of time what would you attribute that to apart from the obvious lack of experience but the fall in terms of Arsenal, just Mikel Arteta's status from from yeah, from, I from... mean it, it's there's lots of things that have come out and about Arsenal, and part of it it seems to be that, he's, that there's some key players in the dressing room that he's lost and aren't behind him. Uh, I think it was actually really significant that the first game they won was when I mean William and David Luiz there's been rumours about them undermining the manager and wanting him out. Rumours about you know, people leaking stuff to the media from the dressing room, and then they're mysteriously ill yesterday. And he played a younger team, and they actually showed up. I mean, they, they didn't play brilliantly, but they they were more committed than yeah. Arsenal have been recently. Uh, and it was a much younger team, and with kind of less egos in the team, less mm. big names in the team. Yeah, and uh, they they performed better. Even though they they, you know, they still weren't brilliant, they they performed better than they have done. Uh, and yeah, yeah, I still think Arteta is a good manager tactically. Mm. I do. I don't buy into this that he's oh he's just a bad manager. I don't. I think he's very good tactically. I think he's got a very difficult job. Yes, Arsenal is a very difficult club to manage for anyone. Even the most yes. experienced manager would would have struggled um, yes. because. Because the, the mentality at the club right from the top isn't the best. No. The, the owner doesn't seem to really care that much. Um, mm. The Yeah, the football structure is not, not brilliant. Mm. Edu is a very inexperienced technical director. So, And there's a lot of players there that aren't good enough, frankly. Yeah, and so yeah. it's a very difficult job for anybody. I wouldn't... I mean, if I was a manager, a, a, like an elite manager... And we'll talk about Thomas Tuchel being available later. But if I was someone like him and got offered the Arsenal job, I wouldn't take it because it's just a toxic club, and the club and the squad's not the squad's just nowhere near good enough. I mean, um, you're, you're so you're so right when you say that it's it's such a hard job. And imagine being your first managerial job being Arsenal. I mean, yeah, that's exactly. that's like jumping in the deep end of a swimming pool without swimming lessons and not having armbands. I mean, you just you're just going down, aren't you? Unless you're some Miracle work. Yeah, and I think it reminds me of when Klopp went to Liverpool 
because when it was, it was hard, they yeah. weren't. They were in a bit of a mess. They were in a mess. Comparison in his first season. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and even when he bought players, I mean, he bought Salah, he bought Mane, he bought um, Oxley Chamberlain. But even then, like two years later, people were still Liverpool fans still wanted him out because it took such a long time to to rebuild that squad and and get it into what it is now. Mm. And you know, these things take time. And we've been kind of in football; it's kind of become the norm to just sack a manager every time he has a bad run. Yeah. I mean, you know? I, th- I I I agree in the sense that it's the hardest job. But what I think is is I don't know. It's, I just find it fascinating. I agree with everything you said about giving. I think they need time. And I actually think I one thing I've noticed: there is a bit. He's an angry man, Arteta. I know there's an obvious, obvious. I don't know him personally, but obviously, when you look at the situation, you think, oh, you know, you would get annoyed at some of the performances and and things not going well. But in press conferences that you see after the game, in post-match press conferences, you can see how angry he is. He looks like there's a simmering anger always just just waiting to explode. Something inside him, he, he does look like... I'm guessing, because having worked under Guardiola for three years and he's basically seen what perfection looks like, he's gone to Arsenal, he's got this idea in his head, this is what I want my players to play like. He's gone from Man City's group to Arsenal's group, which is a downgrade, probably in yep. mentality and quality. And he's probably genuinely furious all these explosions going off in his head because he can't work out why things aren't going the way he wants why players can't do what he wants them to do and i think you can see that quite obviously there there is a lot of anger and stores of stories that have come out in recent weeks have suggested he's had falling outs with the players uh there was a leak apparently in the dressing room he says he will find them and he'll destroy them i know i know that's probably what you would do but it seems like someone who you know, quite capable of losing control because of the way, because of maybe maybe his time with Guardiola gave him a false ideal of what to expect at another big club because, you know, it's very well set at Man City. I don't know, it's hard. I mean, we've got two other managers here, James, to talk about. But it's, all I, I can just say from that, absolutely fascinating how we were, we were saying three months ago, this guy is going to be the next thing, the next big thing. That's and now... Out, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean... He was like, oh, this is the next Pep Guardiola. You know, yes, it so was. You, and then he won the FA Cup, of course, and that just built up that yeah. hype. That kind of hype and expectation yeah. and everything yeah. like that. And, yeah. and he bought some players in the summer, and I thought he actually did pretty well in recruitment. Gabriel, he was a good signing. Party will be a good signing for Arsenal. Mm. You know, um, William's an experienced player. <laughs> can, you know, in theory, was going to. It, in theory, could have could have added that kind of experience of winning trophies. I think that was the idea behind signed up to the most luxurious uh, retirement home in the history of the world. Yeah, see, according thought, to I some Arsenal, have a joke about Arsenal being our retirement home because Peter Cech went there when he wasn't good enough for Chelsea. Do too well, did he? Yeah. David Louise did, and now William has. Yeah, <laughs> and then, yeah, so it's always like we, we kind of joke about agent William and agent yeah. Louise yeah. and all these. You know, but um, but that's just Chelsea fans. But, but to be fair, James, what what was it then that made us think? I've got a few ideas in my head, but what was it made us think that Arteta was on a different pedestal to Lampard and Solskjaer? What was it that gave? Because I think his job's harder than Lampard's and harder than Solskjaer. All so. of working with Pep, I think it is. Yeah, I think, and he's worked with Pep, and they had all his success, and he was his assistant, and he played an important role in that. Yeah, he and, did. And he, he did. People don't shouldn't underestimate that. So people had this thing of like, you know, the aura around Pep kind of was almost like he's the golden child of Pep. You know, he's the mm. next like great manager who's going to do great things. <clears throat> but, and and mm. so, and he's foreign, you know. But to then, be fair, James, to be fair, they were like, foreign names like when, like Frank Lampard's not like because he's in. I think part of the off sometimes Frank Lampard doesn't get credit he deserves because of his nationality and because of his accent. Honestly. And I think, think also Postcard, to be fair, probably hasn't got the credit he deserves because he's not the kind of charismatic, charismatic. style of manager. He's not charismatic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm not Postcard's biggest fan, but you've got to respect the job that he's done, he's done. Where, yeah. where Man United are. And mm. so um, that's, I think that that's how all this stuff grew up around Arteta. And I think he will be a good manager. 
I do. Yeah. I think he would I mean, be a top manager. Yeah. I think um, it's just a, it's just a matter. He needs time to rebuild Arsenal and basically get rid of half the squad and bring in, bring in proper players. It is know. amazing, though, isn't it? Because we we touched on we touched on so. Uh, um, Touched on Arteta being the, the, the prodigal. So Lampard probably being the second favourite, then Solskjaer bottom. And now it's almost, if you ask us now, you look at the league positions, it's almost role reversed. So now Solskjaer's sort of... And, I, and I, I, I think you're right, actually, in the lack of charisma Solskjaer maybe has. I actually think because Pochettino was out of a job and many United fans wanted him, many of the media who love Pochettino, rightly so, lovely man apparently, seems to be, everyone felt it was almost his God-given right to take the Man United job, I think. So while Solskjaer was in charge, it was like he was stealing Pochettino's God-given right to manage Man United. And I think that's why he gets a lot of hard press, because some people just don't think he was ever worthy of the United job because his managerial CV didn't suggest that, because, you know, it, people were saying he only got it because he used to play for Man United, which is probably true. He understood the club and he used to work under Sir Alex Ferguson. Um, so there's a lot of that in it. but. At this point, no, I, I think he is silencing a few of those doubters because we touched on this before, that he's making squad depth where there wasn't squad depth. You know, Scott McTominay, suddenly a, a legitimate option in the midfield and not just someone who you might call upon if, if, if to, to make up the numbers. Nemanja Matic was out of favour under Jose Mourinho, now back into, into favour. OK, he's not Matic of old, but he is still a good option to have. Paul Pogba kept him on side. Okay, probably will go eventually, but still great option to have in the midfield. Uh, Fred as well, basically forgotten man under Jose Mourinho, brought him back in. Now a, a, again a legitimate player in the United in the United midfield. Um, I think he's got more out of Luke Shaw than Mourinho did. I think he's developed him a bit, a little bit more. You've got Tellers who he can switch around with him as well. Um, obviously Mason Greenwood came through the ranks under Solskjaer. He's Blooded him into the first team, in and out of the team now, but still an option. Obviously, Van der Beek's not really got as many opportunities as he would have liked, but the general feeling to me is there wasn't as much there as people might think. If you look at the United squad now, you all say, oh, he's got a brilliant squad. They won't say that at the start of the season. And he's got, I know he's got Cavani in, I know he's got Tellers in. Cavani, no, everyone said that was a, a panic buy, and they also said the same for Tellers. So, you know, he's not had anyone since the panic by the terrible transfer window, everyone was saying. And now he suddenly he's got the best squad depth. I don't know. I think I think like you say, I think people are out to hound Solskjaer sometimes. Yeah, yeah. May have been a bit unfair on him, maybe. Mm. Um I'm still not hundred percent convinced that um as a kind of tactician that he is convincing me as a manager, but what I do see is that the players play for him. Mm. Players, every time they go under, he's under pressure, they show up for him. They do every time. And uh, when they do, when they when they play well, they play good attacking football. They do. And they, you know, they've beaten some good teams this year. And uh, you know, they're doing well, <laughs> doing well in the Premier League. Yeah, uh, they look like they're going to finish in the top four. You know, yeah. maybe probably more points than last season. So, actually, this is interesting. You've got to give him credit. You've got to give him respect for that. Absolutely. We only have a minute left, and we haven't really talked about Lampard, but we have talked about Lampard before. So, check those out. They were they were well, two more interesting. I can ones. Talk about Lampard. For oh, I know you can. I know you can. But you know <laughs> that that's for another day. Uh, I'm just going to say, you said they probably make the top four, and uh, this is like in 30 seconds because I want to look at uh, how Europe is looking at the moment. Again, quite quiet on games, but we can talk about Tuchel and so on. What's the top four going to be? I, I was, um, well, yeah, that my view of that has changed. I am now thinking what, Liverpool, Manchester City, Man United. I think Chelsea will make it Ooh. over Spurs because I think just because I think of the talent in their squads, um, and you know, once the likes of Timo Werner and Kai Havertz adapt. And Dyke is fit. I think they'll um, they'll they'll be fine getting in terms of top four. Yeah, absolutely. You and think top? Spurs, you think top? I think, I think what will happen, and I said this yeah. on a previous episode, Spurs will probably end up focusing on the Europa League as their way to get into the Champions League. We, yeah, we both. I think Mourinho can say I've won a trophy with Spurs, you know, oh, and he's yeah. got into the Champions League. So yeah. um, that's what I think will happen. I think Spurs will win the Europa League. Actually, Ooh. now more convinced of that now than I was. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, interesting. Yeah, that's that's a really that's a really well rounded answer. Look around Europe now, which as you as you probably could tell is rather quiet because um, not many leagues being played. That's down to our tradition, of course, of playing around Christmas. I suppose just as an opinion, James. Uh, I imagine you're you're in my boat. You think that Christmas fixtures are really, really good uh, and really, really exciting as a fan in England. Uh, is it one of the traditions that English exceptionalism uh, has? It you know that, that that we that we're in favour of that we that we say no, we don't agree with the rest of Europe. We have our own thing and we stick to it. Do we like this? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> it is a cultural thing. It's a good one though. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, I, I like. I like the idea of sticking with people and backing them and allowing them to build something. I've always been a proponent of that, you know, pretty much. And just what was the quite, Sorry, James, what, I, have to do, I have to do this because it does abuse me, but what was the question that I asked? I thought you were asking me about managers and changing managers quickly and stuff. No, 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 no. I was asking you about what you think about um, the winter break that we all have oh the winter uh, break oh sorry it's quite, it's oh. quite exceptional I it? about, when you said when you said difference of culture i think i just diverted to managers i don't know why we were just talking about managers we do like a blue sorry, uh, the winter break yeah i like it i think i've always been a proponent of the winter break i think yeah i think it's and i know we have the sedition in the plan on boxing day or maybe you just play on boxing day mm. and then have a break yeah because that's a whole and then have a break till the fa cup third round yeah, you know, and have the first game back after the winter break, the FA Cup third round. That would make that would help the FA Cup mm. as well because people would be more anticipation for it. Mm. People will be desperate for football after two weeks off. Mm. So we give a rest to the players. Yeah, they uh, need one actually. I yeah, think. and I do think you know I I love the League Cup, but yes, I I've said this for a while. The congestion at the moment that we're getting and its effect on players physically. It's becoming too much. And, and I also said this is another reason that England don't do well in tournaments is because we don't have that break. You know, mm. um, they all have that break. All the other nations have that break. <laughs> yes. And yeah. so they're fresher when it comes to major tournaments. They've got more energy. Cool. And, and it means that you can go further. Mm. Uh, these, things, these things are really important. So, yeah, yeah I, think, I've, I think it's a good idea. And if they really want to keep the League Cup, Jordan, you've got to find a way to do it. You've got to find a way to do it even with the League Cup then. Because So you're saying then, keep the current fixture congestion at Christmas, but maybe find a way to... I mean, there's been many things, actually. I, we'll get onto the foreign leagues, actually, shortly, uh, uh, and, and the standings there. But I like the idea of making the League Cup, to make it slightly different if you want to jazz it up a little bit, including Scottish teams, because that'd be great. I think you could have Celtic v Man United or Liverpool v Rangers or something like this. Just just a battle of Britain, I think, sounds really exciting. Or even maybe like make that. it so that so that you can only play the under-21s under or something like this. In the, in, and, and it gives a bit more impetus to the younger teams, to the younger teams, to the smaller teams. Uh, because as you say at the moment, it's like your poor man's FA Cup, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, and I, I've got often I've got a lot of affection for the League Cup, but yeah. it's, um, I think it's not. I think it's a nice trophy to have because it's a because you know it's a it's another trophy. another chance for big clubs to win a trophy. It's mm. you know, uh, and it's good for the football league as well because obviously they get more money. And gate receipts and things. So, yeah, yeah. If you can find a way to fit that in, sure, <laughs> please do. But, it, but it, you know, it's. I think you've got to find a way. Whether it's extending the season at the end by a week or two, yeah. Um, which you could do. You could easily do that. Other, 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 other leagues finish after the Premier League. I mean, yeah. um, you could easily extend the league by a week or something. Hmm. Uh, yeah, or have more midweek league fixtures. Yes, like a couple, just for a couple of, just a couple of league fixtures midweek, which aren't now. Mm. Then you get this. Then you get this two week break, and then of course in the FA Cup third round, mm. if a big team gets a small team, then they can even they can rest their players, their big players for that for that match anyway. So they get an even longer break. So yeah, it's. Um, I think I think there's got to be some. You've got to have some. At some point, you've got to take care of players and respect their. You know, because the way that they're getting treated at the moment is not good enough. I mean, I like the, the, I mean, here's an example: the Chelsea Aston Villa are playing yep. the day after we record, um, 
and that is 40 yeah. both teams played yesterday yeah so it's yeah. 48 hours for both teams uh, and yeah. literally i think i think frank lampard actually said that both villa and chelsea had agreed that they would move the fixture to tuesday that they were happy to do that yeah and then the tv companies told them no now that is wrong yeah. that's absolutely wrong tv companies should not be dictating that kind of thing I get that they have a contract. I get that they want to show that they put money into the game. But at the same time, you could have moved the fixture to Tuesday and shown it on TV. You could. Mm-hmm. And people would still have watched it because it's just, because it's two teams in the top half of the table, two two you know two big, big clubs. You know, mm-hmm. people would have watched that game still. Yes. So you know, and uh, and now they're going to have to literally. I mean, like Lampard said, they're going to have to decide who's going to who's going to play based on how the, how fit they are. There's going to mm-hmm. be a lot of changes. Yeah, and that's where smaller clubs will suffer because they won't have that luxury no. to make those changes, and so you could then have players getting injured, which yeah. is not good for players and it's not good for the game. So, yeah, basic. You've got to you've got to respect the fact that TV companies put a lot of money into the game. Fair enough. I yeah. think that's, that's you've got to recognise that, but you've got to respect players as as human beings, and they can't just they can't they're not robots. They need a break. You know, and so it's important to care for the care for the players. Well, yeah. what's good about that, just in summary, is that all of Europe are now off, or most of Europe's big leagues are now off. They're having some time away, and, and that's probably good for them in the long run, especially with what's going on at the moment. So, just going to have a quick look around, actually, some of those tables. And we talked about it for a bit that you, Thomas Tuchel's now gone, uh, third in um, actually in league, and just unprecedented for PSG at the at the sort of proverbial halfway mark. We've got a few games, two games till the halfway mark, but yeah, it's sort of sort of the halfway mark in, in usual seasons. They have 35 points. They're only one point off the top. They won the, the last game of Tuchel four, by four goals to nil. But yeah, he's been given his marching orders. I mean, I think they're searching for Pochettino and might get Deli Alley as well. I suppose he did get them to the Champions League final. That was his moment to basically write his name in PSG history, uh, Tuchel, with his uh, his PSG men. That was their moment. They lost. Mm-hmm. Not started. The, they're not top of the league now. Usually they are. They aren't. They've had a bit of a staggered start to the season, just like everyone else. It's a harsh, harsh uh, world out there. And I suppose the PSG jobs, very, 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 very high bar of success. Yes, that's right. It is. Uh... Yeah, I think, again, Tuchel is a good coach. Look, I mean, his record, not just at Dortmund, but before that, um, I forget the name of the club he was looking for. But he's tended to overachieve at clubs he's been at. Tactically, he's good. He's good at developing players. Uh, and he got PSG further in the Champions League than any other manager. Yeah. I mean, be clear about that. Uh, he got into the Champions League final, which they never got to ever. So... And, you know, they only lost 1-0 to probably one of the best sides that we've seen for quite a few years. Um, the Bayern Munich side was absolutely destroying every team in sight. You know, I think it, it beat, they beat lots of teams by lots of goals in the Champions League, mm. right? And they, yeah. only beat, well, they only beat PSG 1-0. Yeah. Right? 1-0. That, and when you think they were just destroying almost every team they were playing, mm. you know... <laughs> Um, and yeah, they, you know they were, they had chances as well in that game to score definitely. Mm. I remember in that game, you know, and there was a chance they could have won it, you know. But yeah, so he's done a good job there, I think. Done yeah. what, what, as much as can be expected. Mm. Uh, obviously, they want to win the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to with the investment they put in. You have to. That's that. That should be expected. <laughs> the squad that they have, uh-huh. you know, uh, especially up front. Mm-hmm. Neymar and Mbappe. Yes. Yes. Um, so I'm not surprised, but I I think it's I think Tuchel is a bit hard done by, but I'm not mm. surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he was getting frustrated with the politics of the club. Yeah. He saw some heard some of his comments last week. Although yes. he said they were misinterpreted, but I think <laughs> I think he meant yeah. them. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think um, he yeah he he just got a bit frustrated with with how the club was being run. He didn't want Thiago Silva to be let go. And so, and they let him go. So, yeah. And I'm sure that he'll find, I mean, German press are saying that he wants to manage in England next. So that'll be an interesting yeah. thing to see where he goes. It'll be 
I suspect it'd be a case of the first big club, the first big job that becomes available. Yes. Because, you know, he will be wanted at clubs and he will cost nothing. So, yes. Um, yes. So, uh, and, uh, you know, it, um, yeah, we don't know who that's going to be because at the moment, none of the big jobs look under threat. You know, not even Arteta at the moment because nope. he just won. So, yes. Yeah, it's difficult to see where he ends up next, but. Um, Will be. Yeah, he's a good manager. Well, um, whoever takes over, PSG. Know, absolutely is. It's a great coup for a PSG because. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's, a, he's an ex player of theirs. He played there yeah. for three years, I think. He was a captain of PSG. Yes. He said he wanted to go back there at some point as a manager. Yes. So, yes. Um, and it's the perfect platform for him because he can go there and you can win league titles, you can win trophies, and hopefully you can take them further in the Champions League. And that is um, the perfect platform for him to then go to Real Madrid. Absolutely. As a trophy winning manager. So, absolutely, no. Yeah. Very, very good answer. Uh, very, very well put as well. I mean, just over their third at the moment, as I say, Leon and Lille. Uh, occupying the two top two spots, but uh, whoever comes in as PSG manager, there, I think their absolute number one um, non-negotiable will be to win the league. Otherwise, they might not be there very long either. Um, Kunai Emery was the only PSG manager since the extravagant um, transfer business of PSG. He was the only only PSG manager not to win league earn in that time, and that was because a brilliant Monaco team did it instead. In La Liga, Atletico Madrid still top of the table. They've got two games in hand still over Real Madrid. Three games over Real Sociedad in third. Uh, Real Madrid in second, tied level on points with Atletico, but have a worse goal difference. And two games have le- played two games less as well. So Atletico in a strong position, but will not be happy with Kieran Trippier for his antics in the on, off the field betting. Ten game ban, not ideal for him. Annoying as a Burnley fan, because I quite enjoyed watching Kieran Trippier do well. Um, Barcelona in fifth as well with one game in hand uh, with the win that game in hand over Villarreal they'll go into fourth so it's not all quite bad on the on the western front there in Barcelona uh, I'm really fascinated actually by by Serie A um, AC Milan top unbeaten 34 points and Inter Milan in second 33 points and as we've both said James and Conte without Europe and just solely focusing on the league. You can see them pipping their arrivals uh, to the top of the tree in Italy. And just at the just in, just to round off Germany, actually, as well, we've got Bayern, surprise, surprise, at the top, 30 points. But then Leverkusen in second on 28. It's so frustrating that Leverkusen were beating Bayern Munich only to lose by two goals to one in a recent clash between the two teams. They're second on 28 points. Leipzig also on 28 points. Disappointing nil-nil draw. It's going to the winter break for them. Wolfsburg fourth with 24. And then Dortmund fifth on 22. It's not all too good. At the <laughs> at the Signal Iduna Park, I nearly forgot where they played their home games. But that was that was a uh, just reading through those games, it just it's just symptomatic of the fact that, you know, it's everything almost. Is not as it seems, and it's wonderful uh, to contemplate over Christmas that when we get back to all this action after Christmas, there's no written, there's no narratives that have been finished, no narratives that have been written. They're all got an open ending. Yeah, that's right. It's all very close. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, quite tight. And it's the same in the Premier League as well. Yeah. It's, it's all yeah. the, these leagues, that, and there has to be a reason for that. We talked about the impact of the lack of pre season and the, the late end of the European season and the pandemic and the fixture congestion. I think yeah. all of those things have come into the mix mm. uh, as part of that. Some clubs oh. have now to invest players, invest as many players. Mm. So they haven't improved as much, maybe, yeah. as well. I mean, AC Milan, James, it looked like they were storm. I mean, they still are storming it. They've not been lost a game, but Inter have turned it on a little bit after going out bottom of the Champions League group. I mean, I bet they wish, I bet they wish they could do a Donald Trump and shout, stop the count and make everything okay at this point. But it just it doesn't look like they are... Um, it looks like the, catch, the, the, the Milan rivals are catching up with them, and that's quite... Uh, that's quite sad for them because they did again phenomenal start to the season. Juventus in not the best position. One six drawn, six lost one. Uh Pirlo will be expected to turn that around a little bit. But he's got a got a team in transition. So it's all very exciting, as I say, across all 
of these countries. But anyway, that's that's it from us. Uh, this should be on iTunes, Spotify, Buzzsprout. Uh, in the new year, there may be uh, podcast changes. There may not be. Who knows? Hmm. But maybe, hopefully, if I'm doing a few things in the background, that we, it may be a benefit to the podcast. So keep keep looking out for those. The other way you can do that is by listening. That was my little plug to listen and get the viewing figures higher. And yeah, see you next year. Have a happy new year and please stay safe. These are crazy times all over the world, especially in Britain. So um, yes, yeah, st- uh, stay safe and uh, have a very happy and hopefully better 2021. Yes. Happy new year, everyone. Mm-hmm.